You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Take your Bibles, turn to John 15. John chapter 15. Once you find John 15, if you'd stand with me, you can drop down to verse number 9. John chapter 15, verse number 9. The Bible says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this evening. Lord, thank you for this church and this people. and Thank you for the opportunity we have to come and open your word. Uh, and hear the truths that are in it. Lord, I pray that you'll be with me as I speak this, this evening. Lord, help me to not say the things that I think that are best, but that the Holy Spirit, you will work within me to, to bring your truth to your people, to be helpful and beneficial. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So if you've been coming on Sunday nights for, or actually Sunday mornings for quite a while, Pastor's been talking a lot about love, he's been preaching a lot about it, uh, even saying that it has been redundant and saying a lot of things, um, and this passage has a lot to do about love, but the, the focus that we're going to have tonight is on verse number 13, and that's greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, so we're going to talk about friends and friendship tonight. That's, that's my goal and what I, what I have here for you. Um, I have been studying for a while, and honestly, this idea came to me yesterday. Like, I had an entirely different kind of direction that I was going, and honestly, in the middle of the workday, like, just not even doing anything, reading or studying, God kind of brought it on my heart and my mind, and it just wouldn't go away. And so when I got home, I studied for quite a while, and... Uh, I feel the Lord has led me to, to talk about this, so hopefully it will be helpful for you. So what is a friend? Uh, a friend, according to the dictionary, a friend is a person whom one knows, that's a good start, and with, one, uh, with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Somebody that you know and that you have a mutual affection for each other, or some kind of bond. Uh, and as you know, if you think about the friends that you have, you probably have things in common, things that you enjoy together. So that's the dictionary version uh, or definition of the word friend. So as I was studying and kind of thinking about this, I thought about some friends that I've had in my life. Um, I'll be 40 next year, so I hit a mile marker. So I look back and think about all the friends throughout my life that I had, and I go back to, like, you know, grade school. Think of the friends you had in grade school. And, and I had to think of the names of a lot of my friends from grade school because, you know, we've all gone separate ways, and that was a long time ago for me. Um, and I could think of one, one of them that came to my mind right away. His name was Jason Miller. Now, he, he still lives in Brookings. We went to school together, and I think it was like second grade or somewhere the memories that I come 
come to my mind from that. And I think we liked the same girl in second grade, so, you know, that was real serious. Um, and I remember going out in the playground, and I remember this one specific time, and I, it was, in my mind, it was super cool. But we were out playing around in the playground, and we were playing football or something, and I remember running to tackle him from, from behind him. So I was, he was kind of just standing still. I was running to tackle him, and he must have caught me out of the corner of his eye because as soon as I was about to jump on him, he just ducked, and I went flying way over. I just, just dove Superman right over him and landed on the ground. And I, I got up, and I was like, that was awesome because like, I felt like I just, it was better than leapfrog. Like, it was the best jump I probably have ever made. It was super cool. Um, and that's really all I remember about Jason. Um, I know him. He works. He still works, like I said, in Brookings, but I don't have a relationship with him. I don't know him. I wouldn't say we're friends today, but we were friends then. And that was, again, second grade. That was a long time ago. Then I had a friend in high school, so we're, we're going to jump away. He was actually started in junior high. We were friends in junior high or middle school, and his name was Franklin King. And we lived on the same street. He lived down the road from me. And every, we went to school together. We, were in, you know, we had different classes, but we were in the same homeroom. Uh, and we spent a lot of time together. We lived down the road from each other, so we spent summers together. And for me, if you know me at all, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a nerd. Okay, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. Um, and we played video games all summer. We played Madden NFL in the summertime. We went swimming. We played basketball. We rode our bikes. I mean, just, you know, we rode where, you know, we probably shouldn't have gone because it was busy roads and stuff like that. But we were just boys having fun in the summer. And we played around. And we, I mean, we spent days and hours together. And we were friends all the way through junior high, through high school. And then we went to college. And he went this way and I went that way. And now the extent of our friendship, I mean, we were best friends. The extent of our friendship today is Facebook. And we're friends on Facebook, and I see he's married, he's got kids, I'm married, I got kids, and I see his life from a distance, but it, we're, not, we're not friends really anymore as you would consider friends. Um, we're acquaintances. I don't know even really what his job is, what that entails, how, I don't know his kids' names. So we're not real, real close friends, but we were best friends in high school. And then I had a friend in college and his name was Brian Seddon. And he and I are still pretty good friends. Um, we met in, in college. He actually saved my life, kind of, but not, he'll, that's what he would say. So I have asthma. If, uh, and, and I have had good days and bad days, good times and really bad times um, and with asthma. And there was one time at college where I, I was having an asthma attack. If you ever had that happen, you know, it panics you. And that always makes it worse. And I didn't have the medicine that I needed. I think I left it in my car or something like that. And I was in the dorm, which was quite a walk from my dorm room to the car. And if you have asthma, like getting around when you're panicking and can't breathe, it's, it can be difficult. So I, there was, it was a day where there were not very many people there. I think I had the day off or something like that. And no one was around. It was after classes, so everyone was off at work. And I was like, I have to go get my medicine. So I started to walk down, go down my dorm, through the school. I made it out to the front of the school, and I had to sit down on the bench. And I'm sitting there gasping for air with my hands on my knees, head between my knees. And he comes up, and we were already knew each other this time. He comes up from the, from the parking lot. He's like, what is wrong with you? And I explained to him as I'm gasping that I need my medicine. I give him my keys. 
He runs to the car. He gets my medicine, brings it back. And, you know, it takes a little while, but I'm fine. He's like, I just saved your life. I just saved your life. And he goes, and I will never forget this. And he has not forgotten it, held it over my head forever. And did, would I have died? Probably not. But he still, every time, I see him every year, every time I see him, and often in texts or phone calls, he'll say, remember that time I saved your life? So him and I are still pretty good friends. We talked to, I would consider him and I friends still. We're the other couple, not necessarily. We've, we've distanced, and you probably have people like that in your life. People that you were friends with at one time in your life, and your life has taken different directions. Um, not necessarily because you, your friendship broke up or things went bad, but just because you distanced yourself. You may have friends that things did go bad, and you're not friends anymore because of something that happened in your friend and your friendship. So as the world counts friendship, and as I look at those friendships that I have, that's kind of our view worldly as friendships. Now, the Bible gives us a completely different definition of what a friend is and what a friendship is. Um, and while the things that I talk about, those friendships are good, and we all want to have them and should have friendships. We should be friendly to everyone. But those key people in your life that are your friends, they're important. And I, I value my friendship with Brian a lot. Him and I are good friends, and I think we'll be friends for the rest of our life. But the Bible tells us about a couple different types of friendship. In the New Testament, there are two main words God, that is used for friend. One of them is the equivalent to, like, my comrade or my my fellow traveler is literally the definition, or, you know, an acquaintance. My fellow traveler, my comrade, friend. That's one definition. Another definition of friend is one dearly beloved or held precious. That's another word that is used for the word friend in the New Testament. And I think you could probably decide and determine which is which and which ones. I mean, you have both kinds of friendships. We have acquaintances and friends, fellow travelers, if you will, um, and you have those people in your life that are dearly beloved to you, that are your friends, that are almost like family because they're so close to you in friendship. And we should be friendly to and kind to everyone. Right? There's not a soul and not a person on this earth that we should be rude to or unkind or unfriendly to, especially as Christians. Every human being should receive friendliness and kindness from us. But not everyone in, that, in the whole world is going to be a dearly beloved friend to you, are they? Not every single person is going to be one that you hold dear. We should be friendly to everyone, but not everyone's going to be a friend like holding dear friend and a precious friend. So keep those two words in mind, those two definitions as we go through. And we'll start by saying, what is, what is friendship? We gave the world's definition. I had a couple stories about friendship that I've had. And a lot of times as a kid... It's, I'll be your friend if you be my friend, right? I'll invite you to my birthday party if you invite me to yours, and we'll be best friends until you talk to someone else, and then we're not friends anymore. And that's how, you know, simple friendship can be as a child. But as an adult, we can be friends with someone that we have common interests in, right? We, uh, if we, we like the same thing, uh, we agree on things, and we get along, we have the same kind of personalities. Those are the types of friendships. But that's not really friendship, is it? That's, that's common ground, that's that friend-like fellow traveler, but it's not that deep, precious friendship. And if we go back to verse 13, we see that friendship really is laying down your life for someone else. Now that's, that's another step, right? That, that takes an additional direction that a lot of, you're not going to just do that for everyone. 
right? And we know that Jesus laid down his life for us. And he is the best friend. He's the one that sticketh closer than a brother, right? But for us, in our relationships and our friendships here on earth, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to be willing to die for my friends? For everyone, anyone that's actually a friend of mine, I have to be willing to die for them? Maybe, but not necessarily. I think what we're saying here is not necessarily to die for them, but rather giving up your life, right? Laying it down, putting their needs and their wants, their desires above your own. The Bible tells us throughout that we're supposed to prefer one another. We're supposed to prefer each other above ourselves. And the Bible tells us that the greatest love that anyone can have is to have a friend and someone that you're willing to give up you for them. Being willing to sacrifice, sacrificial love. The Bible says there's no greater love than that, which is amazing. You think about the, again, we've been talking about love and the love that Jesus has for for us. But for a man to love another man or a human being to love another human being, there's no greater love than being willing to give of yourself for your friend. And it's a sacrificial thing. So how can we work on becoming that kind of friend? How do we work on that? How do we become that kind of friend and have that kind of love? I think as a Christian, if we're honest with ourselves, we should want that. We should want to be that kind of friend to people. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He was that kind of friend to everybody. He sacrificed everything for everyone else. We should at least try to want to emulate that and be that friend. So how do we get to be to that kind of friend? How do we move in that direction? So I have a few points on that. First thing, be concerned about being a friend, not having a friend. Everyone likes to have friends. No one likes to be the kid in the lunchroom at cafeteria that sits all by themselves because no one wants to sit by them. I, I was, again, a nerd in high school, junior high. Maybe still today, some might say. I don't know. You, you know, if you want to, you might be right in that. And there were times that I sat at a table when my friends weren't there and sat somewhere else with maybe the cooler crowd. And I sat there all alone. I even got called Crumb as a nickname in high school because I brought sack lunches to work and they were buying these hot lunches and I've got this peanut butter and jelly they're like, oh, let's go sit somewhere else, leave Crumb by himself. It's like, what? 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 Who does that? That's dumb. Who says that? But they did. Nobody call me Crumb. I'll punch you in the face. No, I won't. Um, it'll bring back really bad memories. Um, but I sat there by myself, and no one likes that. No one likes to have, feel like you don't have any friends. But the real friendship that we're talking about here from the Bible is being concerned about being a friend. Not worried about having friends. Not worried about if someone is a friend to you, but are you a friend to them? Being a friend is to always, always wanting to give. And not just things, not just monetarily, or not just I want to give you gifts or presents or whatever. It's, being, it's always wanting to, to serve, to give, to be, to help, to fulfill any gap or anything that they need. That's what a friend is. A friend is want, always wanting and looking for ways to be a friend, to, to be sacrificial, to lay down our life. Friendship is meetings, meeting others' needs. That's what friendship is. It's meeting others' needs. It's not I will if you will. It's I will, period. I will if, even if you won't, I will still be your friend. Selfishness ruins relationships. All kinds of relationships. Selfishness will ruin a marriage. Selfishness will ruin a sibling relationship. 
Selfishness will ruin a boss and employee relationship. If we're selfish and think about ourselves, and this a lot of times happens, well, my needs just aren't met. We're having problems because I just don't feel like my needs are being met. I'm not being given what I need in this relationship. And so we're having problems. And the problem with that is, is there's no laying down your life in that situation. In that situation, it's all about, I need this, I need, in order to be a friend, in order to be a good whatever, I need you to do for me. And when two people are that way, and they both need something from the other person, they're not thinking about what I can give. When you think about a a husband and wife relationship, a marriage, marriage is built on friendship. If you're not your spouse's friend, eh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. You need to be your spouse's friend. And when marriage issues come up, a lot of times it goes down to selfishness. And I need this, and they're not doing it for me. Or I need them to not do this, but they won't stop. That, a lot of times, is the case too. But being a friend is, what can I do for them? Who cares what they're doing for me? And that's the hard part, because we're human. And we do care what they're doing for us. But to rise above that and be the greater love to lay down our life, we have to think and approach a friendship in, what can I do for them? How can I fulfill them? What do they need from me? And be selfless instead of selfish. So the first thing is we need to be concerned about being a friend, not in having a friend. Again, it's given, not exchanged. Friendship's not exchanged, it's given. Right? That's what friendship is. Number two, ties very closely into number one. Start looking for ways to do things for your friends. Actively, on purpose, look for ways to do things for them. The ones that are dearly beloved to you, your friends. If you're married, that's your spouse, first of all. Kids, your parents. I mean, you should be looking for ways to give to your parents, to make their life easier, right? To be their friend. Not always take and want and give me, give me, give me. But that's your closest friend, kids, while you're at home. Your closest friends should be your parents. They should not be the kid at school. Not saying you shouldn't have friends. But your closest friends should be your mom and dad. They're the ones that love you more than anyone else. Look for ways. You want to practice being a good adult and practice becoming a, a good, friendly person as you grow? Look for ways to give to your mom and dad. I found this little, uh, I guess it's a poem, a couple verses of a poem that I found that I've heard numerous times before that I thought would, that fit this kind of lifestyle. And I think it's a lifestyle that God wants us to live. It's, Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I might live like thee. That is how we should view the relationships that we have in our life. Not of what, what can it be done for me, how do you make my life richer, how do you make me enjoy my life, but how can I help you? How can I enrich your life? How can I be for you what you need? But that takes effort. That takes on purpose sacrificial love towards someone else. It's not something that's going to come naturally. It's something you're going to have to work at something you're going to have to do on purpose. This type of life applies to all people. And it's honestly, it's the way Jesus lived. If you looked at his life, he loved everyone. He loved, he loved the, the unlovable, 
He loved the lovable, and he looked and lived in a way to help and fulfill and, and be for others what they needed, whether it was John, who he loved. The Bible says he loved John. Or if it was the publican and the sinner and the leper, he went out of his way to love everyone, to fulfill that. That kind of love is more concerned with them than it is with me or with us. And that, again, applies to every relationship, husband, wife, brother, sister, father, son, mother, daughter, grandparents, cousins, co-workers, friends that you have in your life. Do you put the other person that you have a relationship with of your life above yourself? Do you put them in a position that's above you? Do you put them on a pedestal? Not in a way of, oh, they can do no wrong, they're perfect, I'm going to follow them. But do you put their needs and their wants and their desires above yours? above what you need. And if it comes down to, can I fulfill a need and a desire they have, do you just do it? Because you're their friend? Or is it like, yeah, but, but I also need this. So if I did that for them, that means I would have to do without this. So I guess I'll give a little bit or I'll help a little, but not all the way. And that's, that's our natural tendency, to look out for ourselves. We always look out for ourselves. We are really good at taking care of ourselves. That's, we're the best at it because we kind of like ourselves. The Bible tells us that often, that we take care of ourselves better than anyone else. But if we want to love like Jesus loves, if we want to be a friend that is willing to lay down our life, we have to put them above us. And again, this applies so much to a, a marriage. You want to have a good marriage, and I don't have all the answers. I've not been married forever. A lot of people in here have been married a lot longer than I have. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, not necessarily what I say, because I need work in this too. But if you want to have a good marriage, put your spouse above you. You have to. Put them above what you want. Look for what they need. We often default to ourselves. But if we want to be that friend, if we want to be that husband, be that wife, in any relationship, we need to put them above ourselves. We must be willing to lay down our lives. We must be willing to do that. Thirdly, again, all these are very tied together. The need of a friend should be our need. If you have a friend, a dearly beloved friend of yours, or a spouse, or whatever relationship you have, you have that friend that has a need, and you know of that need, it should automatically become your need. You should automatically look for ways that you can fulfill those needs. That you can fulfill and help. And then again, it's not always a specific thing or a material item, if they have a spiritual need, you should be wanting to fill them, to fill that need and help them fill that need. To one of the best things you could do as a friend, point them to Jesus. A good friend, a friend that's a good friend to you, again, we're supposed to be a friend to others. But if you want to know if a friend is a friend to you, do they ever point you to Jesus? Do they point you to God? Does your husband, do your, as a husband and wife, do you point your spouse to God? Do you point your friends to God? Do you point them to the Bible? When we've all had friends that make dumb mistakes, we've probably been friends that have made dumb mistakes, making wrong decisions. You ever had a friend, when you're ready to make a decision, and they're your friends, so you've talked about it, and you, and you don't see it this way, but maybe they see a flaw in your plan? You ever had a friend that said, ah, and they take your choices and your thought process and put a spiritual spin on it and show you from the Bible where you may be going a little bit astray. 
You ever had a friend that did that to you? In that moment, you might be like, who do you think you are? Holier than thou, Mr. Spiritual, telling me. But think about it. A real friend will point, point to you when you're wrong. And they'll tell you. And you, we, the selfish part of us, should want friends that will tell us when we're wrong. That'll point you to God. Not to them, not to some other human idea, but point you to God. And when you're going the wrong direction, willing to call you out on it. And willing to show you the spiritual side of it and point you to Jesus. We want friends like that. We should want friends like that. Are you a friend like that? Do you have spiritual conversations with your friends or is it always about, I'm a guy so I'm going to default to that, is it always about sports and food and, you know, whatever else, hunting or anything that is a, a hobby that guys like to do? And there's nothing wrong with talking about those things. There's nothing wrong with having those conversations. But do, do spiritual things ever come up? Do you ever talk about what you read in your Bible that week? Is that part of the conversation? As a friend to someone, a dearly beloved, being that friend, laying your life down, that should be part of our conversations. It should be part of our life. We are Christians, yes. That should, I mean, Christ-centered life. That's how we're wanting and supposed to live, how God expects us to live. But if the conversation, spiritual things, never comes up, we're never pointing each other to Christ, we're never ironing, iron sharpening iron. We're not ironing because... That's don't, slip of the tongue, no ironing. Iron sharpeneth iron. If we're supposed to be friends that sharpen each other, bring each other closer to Christ, that's the friend we should be. That's the laying down ourselves, putting our needs, our thoughts, and putting theirs above ours. So the needs of a friend should be our needs. This, this is compassion. When you see a need in your friend and you want to fill it, you see a need ar- arrive in your friend's life and you immediately start trying to find ways that you can help get them there, help meet that need, help them out. And it can be material things. It can be issues. We've all had trials in our life where someone's probably come and helped. And what a blessing. Not expecting anything. What a, gr- what a great friend. We all love to have those people in our life. Are you that person? Are we those people that are going and trying to be filling those needs for others? Fourthly, enjoy the presence of your friend. This is very practical. Enjoy the presence of your friend. So when you have that friend that's dearly beloved to you, that is close to you, it's a lifelong friendship, and the older you get, the more those people become more precious to you, right? I mean, I gave you examples of friends from high school and junior high that I don't talk to anymore. But then, they were my best friends. They were everything. I would rather go play basketball with my friend Franklin than stay at home and eat dinner with my parents because he was more important and our time was more important and now we don't even know each other. But as you get older and you, you kind of settle down, you have a family, you have those people that are dear to you. And they, they may even move away, but they still stay dear to you. You know, enjoy the time you're together. Man, we're not omnipresent. We, can't, we can only be in one place at one time. Yeah, I know a lot of moms, you feel like you're in a billion places at one times, right, at one times, so that's not correct grammar, but you feel like you're everywhere all the time, and you can't be everywhere, and you feel like you're just everywhere, but you're one person that can be in one place at one time. When you have opportunities to spend time with your friends, enjoy that time. Enjoy your, the company. 
enjoy being together. We, ha- we have these things, and I know, you know, they, they keep us, they suck us in. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or, or checking our fantasy football, or checking the real football, it keeps us, and we, we get distracted. When you're with your friends, enjoy the time you're with them. And again, I have this big slant, but husbands and wives, you're supposed to be best friends. That's your relationship should be built on that friendship. Enjoy the time you are together when you're together. If you have kids, once they're all in bed, and, go, and you know, whether it's, again, putting them in bed at 6 o'clock at night, go for it. Off to bed, get the darkening shades out. It's dark out, bedtime. The older they get, that's a little harder to do. But still, put them in bed, spend time together. Put your phone away, turn the TV off if you need to, spend time together. Enjoy the time with your friends, with your spouse, with the people that matter. Spend time with them. Seems silly, seems simple, duh. Of course I know that. But I'm going to guess, like myself, we could all do better at that. We can all be more attentive to that kind of detail of enjoying the presence of them. And then, spend time with your friends even in their absence. Okay, when, when they're not around. Whether, again, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friends, but those that are your dearest friends. When they're not around and they're absent from you physically, pray for them. Think about them. Be thankful for them. Even when you're apart. Your dearest friends, the ones that are closest to you, if you actively take time to think, and think about them, think about their life, think about what their needs are, how you can help them, you will feel closer to them. You will be more empathetic of their life because you have spent time, even when they're not there, thinking about them in a way of caring. And again, wanting to lay down your life for them. But again, this takes action on purpose, intentional. We're all busy enough and have enough things to occupy our time that if we don't think about our friends on purpose and pray for them on purpose, you won't. The day will go by and you will not have spent any time thinking about or praying for your friends because you're busy. Not because you don't care, not because you don't love them, but because you're just life. It has to be done on purpose. You want to deepen that relationship? You want to be the friend that lays down your life for them? The the, the Bible says the greater love the greatest love to be willing to lay down your life for your friends. You want to be that friend like Jesus was? It takes work. It takes sacrifice. And even time sacrifice and mind space sacrifice. So, you must make a choice to be a friend. It takes an on-purpose decision and action to be that kind of a friend, the greater love friend. You must intentionally put another person above yourself You must prefer them above yourself. Imagine the kind of friendship where two people act that way. And maybe you have a friend like that. Hopefully you're striving to be a friend like that. But imagine a friendship where both parties involved are both selfless and always looking to prefer the other. The Bible says there's no greater love than being willing to lay down and sacrifice yourself for the other person. What kind of a just, the purest form of friendship there could ever be if two people in a relationship are doing that? Man, that would be amazing. That would be awesome. 
And we probably succeed at that sometimes, but then as humans, that selfishness comes back. Even, you know, out of sight, out of mind. We need to work on that. We need to actively, on purpose, work at being the kind of friend that lays down their life for each other. Again, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Are you laying down your life for your friends? Are you giving up your way? Do you lay down and and put your needs and your wants below your friends' wants and needs? Do you seek to fulfill those needs? Be the greater love kind of friend. I think if we constantly work on that, we'll do that to our closest friends, and then if we get in the habit of living that way, the people we see at the Hy-Vee gas station that are right next to us pumping gas, we're going to want to help them. And you know what? We might be more bold in telling them about Jesus. We might be more bold in inviting them to a place where friends give for each other. And we might be more bold in inviting them here, and they may be more, wow, this is different. This is not the kind of friendship that we read at the very beginning. A person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. It's very shallow. It's a very shallow friendship. If we show the friendship and the love that Jesus has to each other and we get in the habit of living that way, then the people that aren't here, that we want to bring in, that Jesus wants to bring in, will be more apt and ready to just show that kind of love and that kind of friendship to strangers. And that brings them in and then they get to meet Jesus. And then they see the best love. It, it just, it works. I mean, there's really no other way to, to put it than it just works if we apply it. So I challenge you tonight as I finish up, I challenge you to be that kind of friend. To invest in others, to prefer others, and to be willing to sacrificially lay down your life and your wants and your needs for other people. Actively look for that. I'll pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.